appreciate Jay leading our singing for us this morning, and I, I believe it's his first time doing it on Sunday mornings, and so I didn't want to overwhelm him uh, at all, because uh, sometimes preachers like to maybe request a song uh, every once in a while to go along with the theme, but I didn't get that to him in time, so I didn't want to overwhelm him, but in your song of the books, there's a song number 186, and it's, of course, the, the title of this lesson here, God Give Us Christian Homes, and I don't know how long it has been since we have sung it. Uh, but I'm not going to sing it for you, uh, but uh, if you have it, you know, you might want to look at some of the lyrics here, because as we think about this idea here this morning, as you recall, the song goes, God give us Christian homes, home where the Bible is loved and taught, homes where the master's will is sought, homes crowned with beauty thy love had wrought, God give us Christian homes. In verse 2, homes where the father is true and strong, homes that are free from the blight of wrong. Homes that are joyous with love and song, God give us Christian homes. Verse 3, homes where the mother in queenly quest strives to show others thy way is best. Homes where the Lord is an honored guest, God give us Christian homes. And then the last verse, of course, homes where the children are led to know Christ in his beauty who loves them so. Homes where the altar fire burns and glows. God give us Christian homes. God give us Christian homes. You might recall about a year ago we had a sort of a unique gospel meeting. Do you remember this when we brought in uh, these different men from the area to speak to us on this topic, this very topic, the, the Christian home? Remember we had Brother Alan Jones from the South Green Street. He came and talked to us about uh, how the, the Christian home provides shelter and then also how the Christian home values its occupants. And then we had Christian Cruz, who was our a youth intern one year, came and spoke to us after lunch about how the Christian home shows uh, hospitality. And then uh, we actually invited Wes to come up from his uh, position in uh, Alabama to come and speak to us on that Monday night who talked about how the, how the Christian home values its youth. And then that Tuesday night, we had Craig Waddell from the, the Center Street Church of Christ over uh, north of Edmonton who spoke to us about how uh, the, the Christian home values the elderly. And then finally, Ed Sturchy, who is from Campbellsville, the, the Broadway Church of Christ, he, he kind of tied up all those lessons together that Wednesday evening and talked about how the Christian home points to a heavenly home. And I just thought it was a great series of lessons. I know a lot of us uh, had good things to say about it. And I've been contemplating about you know, some of the, the final lessons that I'll have uh, to preach here uh, by the end of the year. And you know, one of those that I've been thinking of is uh, on this exact topic, uh, the Christian home. And one of, something that you and I need to protect with our lives, right? our, our homes. And I'm not talking about the brick and mortar protection, of course. I'm not talking about security cameras and that. But I'm talking about the spiritual fortification that we provide in, in our homes. And this lesson was actually inspired by Brother Bart Warren, who preaches at the South Green Street Church of Christ. I went home last Sunday after preaching, and you know what I did? I listen to another sermon. You know, I like to pull up on my phone uh, some of the podcasts and such of what other preachers around the Brotherhood have preached that very day just to see, you know, what's been being, being preached. And uh, the, his lesson popped up, and I listened to it that night. I listened to it the next day, and I thought, that was really good. So I texted him and said, hey, could I use your lesson this Sunday and preach it in Columbia? And he said, absolutely. And so uh, the outline that we're using this morning is from him that was just preached over in Glasgow last Sunday. But this morning, as we think about this idea, Christian homes, God give us Christian homes. How should we as Christians structure our homes to be pleasing to God? Now, now I understand and you understand that not every home looks the same. 
Right? We, we know the ideal. Go back to Genesis chapter 2 uh, and verse 24 where God told the man to, to leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. And, of course, Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 also affirms that and also lets us know that, uh, that no man should separate that union. Right? Uh, and God tells them there at the beginning as well in the book of Genesis to, to those married couples, right, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. But sometimes homes are different. Right? We, we, again, we understand that. Sometimes single mothers are raising children. Sometimes single fathers are raising the children all alone. Sometimes grandparents, aunts, and uncles are, are raising uh, children. And you know, homes have been severed because of sin. People leave. And some, sometimes it's even due to death. Right? That the homes don't look like that. And if, maybe that's how it describes your home this morning. And we want you to know here at the Columbia Church of Christ, we love you. And we want to support you in all of that. This lesson this morning is not a, a typical lesson about the roles of the home. You know, sometimes we'll do these lessons where we'll talk about, okay, this is the husband's role in the home, and this is the wife's role in the home, and this is what the children's uh, role is. That, that's not what this lesson is going to be about, but this lesson is more general. Right? This is the role of the home in general, the Christian home, the Christian family, not the specific people within it, but the home, the home. And how should we view it this morning? How should we protect it? How should we go about investing in it? And with everything, of course, we understand that, that God is the standard in everything. Right? It's not just in religion. It's not just in the church. But it's also in the home. Right? He tells us how to live in the home uh, through scripture. And we must submit to that and be pleasing. You know, we have to ask ourselves, when we leave here today and go to our homes, are we going to be bringing Jesus with us, or are we going back into the world? I know things are difficult in the world. You know things are difficult. There's numerous challenges to our lives, to our homes. So many things are trying to pull us away, especially the younger minds, right, and some lifestyles that we choose to live, right? We, we live in a society today that you know, both parents really, you know, they, they both have to work, don't they, in some instances, because of the lifestyles that we choose to live. And many children aren't being raised in the home, right? They're at school and they're at, in, in child care for some, most of the day. And, you know, many aren't being influenced by the home for good. Many aren't being sheltered by the home for good. Colossians chapter 3 And we're going to spend most of our time in Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Just want to, as we jump into these thoughts this morning, start here in verse 18. As we notice here some of the rules to live by in the Christian home. And Paul here in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 18, lets us know, Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. 
And so what we want to remember here this morning as we go through out this great chapter, Colossians 3, is to understand, yes, I may be a husband, I may be a father, you, know, you may be a wife, you may be a mother, but your number one role in the home is to follow Christ. You wear his name. That, that's the number one role that you have in the home, that you wear the name of Jesus. And so let's think of that as we go throughout this lesson. Now, the first point that I want to have, and this is a shorter point, is that the Christian home is a job. The Christian home is a job. Now, again, that may say, sound a little odd to you. That might sound a little off-putting to you. But, but hold on and let, hear me out on this short point. Uh, the, the idea here is that in the home, we have obligations. We have responsibilities. We all have expectations. Listen, when you go to work, when you go uh, to your place of employment, your boss has expectations of you, doesn't he? He has, you have obligations to follow, right? He's going to tell you these are the hours that you need to be here, and I expect you to be here to put in these hours, and here's your list of tasks that you are to complete, and to complete satisfactorily, right? You have obligations. You have expectations. Well, the same thing is true for the Christian home. You have responsibilities, whether it's a, a single-person home or it's a multi-generational home. Everyone in that home has responsibilities. There are obligations for each one of us. You think of a home with a mother and father who, you know, were at one, that day that they got married, that, you know, that day that they said I do to one another, they were agreeing to certain obligations, weren't they? They were agreeing to be responsible towards one another. They were agreeing that, that they would uh, put each other first. Friends, the most important responsibility that you will have in the Christian home is not being an engineer, not being a doctor, not being a lawyer, not being a farmer, but it's the influence that you are going to have for Christ. It's the influence you're going to have for good. It's the influence that you are going to have for right. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, Paul said, as he's writing to Timothy, but, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of the household of the faith, he has denied the faith, and he is worse than an unbeliever. Now, now in the context that when he's writing that, he, he's talking about widows, and helping out widows, and making sure that widows are taken care of. But you get the emphasis, right? That, that he's saying, focus on the family. If anyone does not provide for his own, he is worse than an unbeliever. And he's denied the faith. Do you have a daily to-do list every morning to write out? Well, I hope your family is the first ones on that list. I hope it's not your boss. I hope it's not those deadlines that you need to make. But it's those who you're in charge of. Right? It's those who you are in care of. You have full-time expectations. You have full-time obligations in your Christian home. And so the first point we just want to point out is that the Christian home is like a job. Number two, the Christian home is like a school. The most vital concepts and ideas are taught in the home. Now, now this isn't a plug for literal homeschooling, right? but, but we're talking about the idea, the concept that every parent has an obligation to teach about the Lord in the home. Right? Your first and foremost obligation is to teach them about Jesus. It's not about the ABCs. It's not about math. But, but it's to teach them about Jesus. That's your number one obligation. And so you need to think of your home, your Christian home, as a school. Friends, the world is seeking to teach them about something. 
They are trying to teach them about something other than this. We understand that. So your voice needs to be the clearest. Your voice needs to be the loudest. Your voice is what they need to hear. Turn with me really quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we have a passage of Scripture starting here in verse 4. The, 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 the Jews often referred to this as the Shema. You know, this is something that they read every day. This is something they memorized. They lived by in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. And I know you've probably read this passage before. But here, here is it recorded. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Verse 7, and this is what I want you to pick up on. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. When we read that passage, we, we see here clearly that the, the home must be defined by God. Again, look at verse 7. Again, he says, talking about God's word, he says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them. When? Well, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you're in your home, when you're outside your home, when you lie down and when you rise up at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. Right? A lot of people will say, you know, I got to get home to my children to uh, have some quality time with them. Right? Quality time. Well, this passage is not talking about quality time. This passage is talking about quantity time and the amount of time that we need to be investing Jesus into their lives. When you walk by the way, when you, when you lie down, when you rise up, every person in the home is a student in your school. Again, something is being taught. It's either from you, it's either coming directly from you, or it's coming from that television set. Or it's coming from that handheld device, that social media account. And if your idea of home, you know, after a long day's day of work is a place where you can go home and rest and relax and, hey, you know, my children, I send them off to Bible class Sunday morning. They get an hour instruction there and I send them Wednesday night even as well. And so there's another hour instruction, two hours of Bible time class. Well, friends, that's not how God designed the home. He says there again, when you're at home, you teach them. Your home is where they learn. Again, Bible class is great, but it should reiterate what they learn from home. Right? Again, when you rise up, when you lie down. Some of these other scriptures we're going to look at this evening back in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 tells us, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Right? The instruction of the Lord. Fathers, how are we doing with that? Are we bringing them up in the instruction of the Lord? Turn with me to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 real quickly here. 2 Timothy chapter 1. You know, Paul here is writing to that young preacher, Timothy. And he says right here at the beginning in verse 5 of 2 Timothy, he says about Timothy, For I am mindful of the sincere faith that's within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. You know, Paul says, Timothy, I know that your home was a school where you grew up. 
Your grandmother taught you? Your, your mother taught you? Well, how do I know that? Well, turn to chapter 3, because he's going to continue here in verse 14. And in the same letter, he says, Timothy, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you had learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Again, Paul says, those scriptures that you learned, you didn't learn them, you didn't learn those in school, right? You didn't learn those in Bible class. You learned those from home, from, from your grandmother, from, from your mother. That's where you learned those things, Timothy. That's where you got that sincere faith. That's where you learned of salvation. Again, Bible class is a wonderful thing. Kids love it. Bible camp is probably a favorite part of the year for most kids. Those are important things, but they're not sufficient. They're not to be substitutes for the instruction that is to take place in the home. Jesus must be heard in the home. He must be modeled in the home. And friends, again, here's the second point. The home is a school. What are we teaching in that school? Number three, the, the home is a shelter. The safest place in the world, the happiest place in the world, ought to be your home. It's not Disney World, the, the happiest place in the world, but it's your home. That's where you, the family, comes together. Right? If, if a child has questions, if they have doubts, if they have concerns, that's where they should go to find answers for those things. Even if I don't know the answer or mom doesn't know the answer, we are the ones that they ought to come to for finding out those answers. The home, it's a shelter. Why? Because it protects. Friends, the world lies. We understand that. And so the home shelters us from that storm. The prodigal son knew that, didn't he? Remember that in Luke chapter 15? When he hit rock bottom, he knew that he could go home. Matter of fact, in Luke 15 verse 17, it tells us that he came to himself. He realized, my father's servants have food, uh, daily food. They're fed. They're cared for. I know that home is a place where I can go and be safe. But friends, too many times, it becomes a place where we want to escape from. Uh, maybe it's no fault of our own. Maybe it's nothing to do with sin that we created, but sometimes it can be. You know, I mentioned Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Let's look at that passage again. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Uh, the sister passages in, Gal or, excuse me, in Colossians 3, we'll read both of these. Again, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Again, we're told here, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Paul says, do not provoke your children to anger. Am I discouraging them in the home from being a faithful Christian? From even wanting to become a Christian? Do they hear me say one thing here or around other Christians, but when we go home, I'm a totally different person? We were at a, um, a building supply company the other day, and I was talking to uh, one of the, the people that worked there, and after I got done talking with them and my kids were around me, one of them asked me, Dad, why'd your voice change? And I was like, I, I don't know, I don't understand what you're talking about. And, and they said, well, when, when you talked to that person, you talked a little bit deeper. You didn't sound like yourself. Right? Well, we do that sometimes, don't we, subconsciously. 
right? Because uh, we want to sound maybe a little bit manlier or something uh, to that effect. But they didn't hear me, right? They, they heard a different voice. Well, friends, when we are, are providing that shelter for them, do they see a different us? Do, do, they, do they see a home that, that's maybe more of a tent, right? That, that we pop up when we want it to, to look like a sheltered home, but then we can just tear it down as easy and pack it up and move it somewhere else? There's another passage in Scripture that, you know, it's in the Old Testament, and it's also throughout the New Testament, talking about, you know, honor your father and your mother, right? You know that from Exodus chapter 20, one of the Ten Commandments, to honor thy father and thy mother, and we often use that verse on our children, don't we? Listen, you've got to honor me. You know, uh, follow me, obey me. You got, the Bible says to honor me. Well, dads and moms, again, are, are we living lives worthy to be honored? Uh, instead of providing a nurturing, sheltering home, are we displaying something opposite of Christ? Now, are we surprised when our children may say one thing and it's unbecoming and you say, not in my house, young man. But then we realize, you know what? The other day I slipped and said that too. They learned that from me. They're emulating me. And it hurts, doesn't it? Someone asked Charles Schwartz once, you know, the, 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 the creator of the Peanuts cartoons, why there are no parents in his comic strips. You ever notice that? That there's no parents, but, you know, sometimes there's that teacher that doesn't even speak, right? It's just wah, wah, wah. You know, and, uh, and they ask, well, why don't you have ch- parents in your comic strips? And he said, because I wanted to come up with a world where there were no adults to mess it up. Well, that sounds interesting, doesn't it? It sounds interesting, but it's illogical. It doesn't make sense. God has called us to parent our homes, to shelter our homes, and we've got to be balanced as parents. right? To provide that discipline and instruction, but not to provoke them to anger. The home should be a place of shelter, right? a structure, a place to feel safe, a foundation, that foundation being Jesus Christ and security. And then finally, our last point this morning, the Christian home is a rule giver. The Christian home is a rule giver. Do you have house rules? I know many of us do, don't we? No shoes in the house. No shoes on the carpet. No dirty dishes in the sink, right? A lot of us have house rules, Well, as we read throughout Colossians chapter 3, and again, we'll just pick out some verses here as we conclude this thought, we read some of these rules for Christians, right? That Paul says, this is how a Christian ought to live. And many of these we can apply to the home as well. Rule number one, we will love. Brenton read those verses for us in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. But remember, he says, this is how you are to live. But then again, in verse 14, he says, beyond all these things, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity, right? Above all these things, you put on love. And again, that's rule number one in our homes, in our Christian homes, is that we are going to love. Love wants what's best for the other person. We talked about this last Sunday evening in in the lesson about love, right? Agape love. Agape love wants what's best for uh, other individuals. It wants what's best for your enemies. It does not seek its own, right? It wants what's best, Think of Ephesians chapter 5. We won't take the time to read this passage, but in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25, you know, that, that's where Paul talks about the relationship between a husband and wife and how it look, should look between Jesus and his church. Right? And he says, husbands, love your wives just as Jesus loved the church and died for it. Right? Put them first. 
Love wants what's best for that person. And that, again, that's rule number one in our Christian homes is that we are going to love one another. Rule number two is we're going to have boundaries. Look at uh, verse 20 here. Again, children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. I kind of hit on parents here a little while ago, but children, here's here's your passage, right? Uh, He determines, God determines the standard and seeks for parents to enforce it, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And as parents, we need to understand that culture doesn't get to decide how we parent. The school systems, the government can't decide how we parent. That's our role, right? To be parents, to be godly parents. I can't help but think of 1 Samuel chapter 3. Do you remember Eli, uh, that, that judge, that priest? Now, by all accounts in 1 Samuel chapter 3, he seems to be a pretty good uh, individual. Uh, he did a lot of good things. But one thing we're told is that he was, well, he, he, was, he was a bad parent. In 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 10 in particular, we want to notice this verse here. But he didn't provide boundary for his children. His children were going around and were doing inappropriate things. In 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 10, you know, God talked to Samuel and told Samuel, you're going to tell Eli that, listen, your, uh, your family... Your, your lineage is going to end. He says in First uh, Samuel chapter 3, verse 10, Then the Lord came and stood and called at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, uh, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And in that day I will carry out against Eli and all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever. For the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. That's some powerful words right there. That God spoke through the prophet Samuel that these things are going to happen to the house of Eli because he did not rebuke his children. He did not restrain his children. Friends, in our Christian homes, we are going to have boundaries. And we must establish and uphold those boundaries that God has established. Rule number three in our homes is that we're going to have gratitude. This comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. I think we read these verses quite a bit a couple of weeks ago during the Thanksgiving holiday. But the idea here is that in our homes, we're going to be thankful. right? We're going to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving. We're, we're going to do that because we're going to fight against selfishness. And we're going to teach them early. Right? You remember teaching your children, okay, now, now what do you say? Right? The person gives them something, what do you tell them? Right? We're teaching them to be thankful. We want them to be thankful. God wants us to be thankful. And friends, if we are someone who are constantly complaining, right, constantly upset, what are we telling our children? Well, we're telling them that we don't believe God is a good God. And so rule number three in our homes is we are going to be gracious. We are going to have gratitude. And rule number four is, we're going to be forgiving. Again, this was a passage that, that Brenton read for us, uh, verse 13. He says again, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. We are going to be forgiving in this home. Kids are going to see the worst of us. We know that. Moms and dads, we know that. They're going to see us mess up from time to time. Maybe say something we ought not to. Well, here's what they need to see. They need to see dad asking mom for forgiveness. They need to see mom asking, or moms telling dad, I forgive you. Again, they're going to see us in our lowest moments. 
They need to say, Dad, telling Mom, that, listen, I've made a mistake. I need you to forgive me. They need to see Grandma, right, forgiving Mom. They need to see forgiveness acted out in the home. It's a beautiful thing, forgiveness. And it must be, it must be displayed in the home. That's where they're going to learn it. And then finally, rule number five for our home is that we are all going to recognize our purpose. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Remember here, Paul said, Slaves in all things, obey those who are your makers on earth, not with external service, as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. You ever wondered why you've been put here? You know, well, maybe it's because, you know, you're a great athlete or, you know, you're a great doctor, a great surgeon, a great businessman. Well, we don't need to worry about those things, according to the Apostle Paul. We don't need to give extra effort into, you know, who's watching me? You know, who's watching me do these things? Because, again, Paul says, whatever you do, do it for the Lord, whether it's the smallest of tasks or, or the greatest of tasks. Do it for the Lord. Don't, don't do it to please men, but do it for the Lord. Teach your children to recognize their purpose, that even when nobody's watching, that they're going to do the right thing. We're serving Christ. It's his paycheck you and I want. Not our employers, although it's, that's a good thing and we need it, but it's ultimately Christ's paycheck that we want. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right of hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Friends, we need to make sure that we understand our purpose and that everyone in our home understands their purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God. And the best thing about it is you can do that being a doctor. You can do that being a policeman. You can do that being a farmer. We all can glorify God, do our best to please God. This morning, Psalm 127 verse 1 lets us know that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Our homes are so special. And again, I'm not talking about the brick and mortar, but I'm talking about the the spiritual home. Uh, whether it's a large home or whether it's a small home, it is so special. And we need to remember that our homes are like a job, right? They have expectations. They have obligations. We can't just take time off whenever. And they're like a school. Something's being taught in your home. What is it? Do you know what it is? Are you, are you the one teaching it? Our homes are like a shelter, it ought to be a place where we can come and, and have that protection and security that, that, that we would desire to have. And our friends, ought, our, our homes ought to have rules. And again, those rules are that we are going to love, we are going to obey, we are going to give thanks, we are going to forgive one another, and we are going to know our purpose. And again, our prayer this morning is that we all glorify God in the way that we live in our homes. Our homes are too important to ignore this morning. God, give us Christian homes. But maybe more importantly, God give us Christian hearts to lead those homes. As Colossians chapter 3 lets us know. In our homes, you know, we, we, we talk so much today about the, the Christian home, right? This home on earth. And it's a good thing to learn about. It's a good thing to study. But it's that home that's going to point us to our heavenly home. It's that home that's going to direct us to our real home. And so we've got to get things right here. 
so that we can be here one day. And this morning, maybe, maybe, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe this morning there, there's sin in your life. Uh, maybe the home you haven't been taking seriously. And maybe there's something that you want to ask for forgiveness of. Maybe you need prayers of strength and encouragement this morning. And we would love to help you with that here this morning. Or maybe this morning you've never been baptized into Christ. Maybe you've never been part of God's family. This morning we would love for you to come forward and let us know. We know the Bible tells us that we must hear God's word and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. To repent of sin, confess him as Lord, and to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And at that point the Lord will add you to his church, to his family to his home. And this morning, if maybe that's you and maybe you're ready to become a Christian, we would love nothing more than for you to do that today. Today is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. If we can help you with any of these things this morning, let us know as together we stand and sing the song of encouragement.